This is Real Estate Rookie episode 331. I've learned a little bit about how to screen tenants, how to write up an agreement, how to enforce my own um, my own rules, <laughs> um, how to do renovations, even though they were small renovations. But um, you know that's a big part of um, of being an investor, um, getting bids, like all of that. Um, so it's just changed my life, and to where like. I'm confident now that if I venture out and do some another deal or another project, like I, I have confidence in myself. I do know what I'm, I do know something. My name is Ashley Kerr and I am here with my co-host, Tony J. Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, motivation, and stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey. And uh, in today's episode, you're going to get a healthy dose of all of that. You're going to get a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of motivation, and a little bit of kick in the butt to, to really make something happen. Uh, today's guest is Lirva Sanchez. And when you hear Lirva's story, you're going to hear something that a lot of you are probably struggling with, which is there's so much information out there. There's so many different strategies how do I choose one that makes the most sense for me? And you'll get to hear Lirva's story of how she kind of went on this journey of identifying the right next step for her. And the way that she talks about choosing her strategy, you'll be able to relate to it as to like, I read this book, I listened to this podcast, things like that. But she breaks down as to some of the reasons she ended up going with the strategy that suited her. Um, she talks about her lifestyle, her why, um, just the kind of person that she is. She actually started out trying to wholesale and she will tell you one thing that happened to her that was actually going well. If you're a wholesaler, you're like, yes, I want this to happen. And she didn't take action on it because it was not her um, and kind of go through that explanation. But I think she makes a very valid point that if you are uncomfortable and don't feel that this is something that really suits you and fulfills you, that you may not be that successful with it. So she talks about trying to tie in what are things that are going to suit you to picking your strategy. But also we learn about sourcing deals, how she was able to uh, find off-market properties. Now, before we jump into the conversation with Lirva, I want to give a quick shout out to someone by the username of Dela Rowe, who left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This person says, this show is great for people like me who work a full-time job, but want to learn more about investing. Real estate investing seemed overwhelming at first, but listening to Ashley and Tony every week helped me get more comfortable with all the terms being thrown around and investing in general. I'm on the Bigger Pockets forums now and learning as much as I can. Thanks for all the tips, guys. So if you're part of the rookie audience uh, and you have haven't yet left us a review, please do. Only takes a few minutes. And the more reviews we get, the more folks we can reach. And no, the more folks we can reach, hopefully we inspire more people to take that next step or get that first deal. So do us a favor, do someone else a favor, leave that review. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, 
allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act, a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. Lirva Sanchez is a registered nurse, single mother of two boys living in Southern California, actually not too far from where, where I live in SoCal. And after her separation, she spent two years chasing down the shiny object syndrome of wholesaling and a little bit of out-of-state investing. But then she doubled down on a real estate strategy that really worked for her, for her kids, and learned that one property could really change her life. So Lirva, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you, Tony. Super excited to have you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Excited to have you here on the show with us. But I, I want to get right into the nitty gritty, Lirva. So what would you say drove you into the world of real estate investing? So um, as you mentioned, I um, was newly separated. Um, we have two young boys. Um, and that was a really like difficult time. Um, actually, there were a lot of good things going on and not so great things going on. I had just paid off um, all of my debt. Um, I had school debt. I had car loan, you know, just paid off everything. That is amazing. Congratulations on that. That's not typically an easy thing to do. Thank you. Thank you. It it was. I, so I was on a Dave Ramsey trip and it was like, you know, just full on like saving and saving and just, and putting everything towards the debt. Um, 
so when we made this choice, this decision, you know, to, to separate, it was a, it was a really, really obviously difficult, um, and difficult, challenging time in my life. Um, and it just made me shift towards like working on myself. Um, so I kind of dove into, um, personal development, um, self-help books, all of that. But part of that process, I also came across real estate investing, building wealth. Like how do I still, um, how do I still carry on with my, my dreams and the life that I want for my kids now that I've like pretty much lost my income, like half of my income overnight, basically. Um, so that's kind of how it just came came to be like, it was part of that whole like process of going inward and just trying to do better, be better and, um, you know, have the same or better life for my kids, regardless of my status. So after your separation, how long was it before you actually got started into real estate and kind of maybe give us a little bit of what your life looked like? Um, you know, did you go and rent an apartment? Did you stay in your house? Did you, um, were you working somewhere kind of fill us in and what your, you know, financial picture looked like? Financially, I was, I was doing well because we had paid off and we had started saving. Um, but it didn't, I didn't feel good because obviously I didn't have access to like, you know, previously we had dual income. Um, I, I did stay in an apartment. I moved out of the apartment that we had together and I moved to an area that I wanted to be closer to. So better schools, all of that. So I was already working at the company that I'm still at now and I'm a registered nurse, but it's not really a traditional role. So I work from home for a health plan. Um, and that was something that I consciously made an effort to do because I had my second child and working, you know, in a in hospital, it just wasn't going to work out for me. Um, so it helped out that I was working from home, um, and living in an apartment. And I really tried to minimize any expenses, um, you know, just kind of still stay in that very like saver mentality <laughs> at the time. Um, so that's kind of where I was at. Okay. So then you start learning about real estate. Uh, I'm very curious as to in your role where you were able to work at home, do you think that played a large part in being able to become a real estate investor? What are some of the advantages if there is someone listening right now who maybe has an opportunity to work from home? What are some of the things they should be thinking about to get started in real estate and how this can actually benefit them? So I, I think it played a huge part um, because um, well, now um, I have a short-term rental and so just, it's actually on the same property. And so just being on the property itself, like helps, um, I have a cleaner, so I'm not like actively doing a whole lot, but just to check on things, you know, to like be present there, that's helped a lot. Um, and also at the time of like learning and, and going through the process of like learning what, what was going to work for me. Like I was driving neighborhoods and, um, you know, seeing like what areas I could possibly like get into. And, um, and so I would drop off my kids from school 
and like drive neighborhoods on the way home and, you know, driving for dollars, seeing if there was any, everything that I learned on the podcast, I was trying to like implement it. Like, Oh, is that a, a vacant home? Is that, you know, is that a potential property that I can pick up? You know, just trying to like implement the things that I heard on the podcast. So you looked for vacant homes. What were some, and you said you, there was things you learned. What are some of the other things you learned as to like houses that could be a potential property for you? So I never acted on those, but I think it was just something that I was kind of going through the motions and I would look up like property values and I would see like, okay, this is a vacant house. Like really how much, you know, is would it, could it be worth? And, um, you know, without seeing inside, like, could I even take that on? Or, you know, it was just, I guess I was just <clears throat> kind of playing investor <laughs> at the time. Um, and, um, so I think, I don't know if it really has to do with working from home, but just that you have a little bit more flexibility in your time too. I drop off my kids and I pick them up. And so during those times I was, you know, during my breaks and stuff, I would be able to like drive areas and see properties, new listings that would come up. Um, I would um, go see them, you know, just drive by them as soon as they came on the market. Lira, you said something that, that kind of stood out to me is that you you listen to a lot of the podcasts and you you try to implement everything you learned. Um, and I, I think that's a path that a lot of new investors go down is where they hear all these different strategies. They try and go after everything. So I, I, I do want to touch on kind of how you were able to take all of the information you learned and implement it all at one time. But before I do, just, just one other question. Um, what would your advice be to someone that is maybe in a similar situation where they're they're going through this big life change, um, you know, a, a separation, divorce is something that's unfortunately kind of common today. And there are a lot of folks that are have these aspirations of becoming a real estate investor, but they might use this life event of a separation or a divorce as an excuse as to why they can't invest in real estate. So, just what is your advice to someone who's in kind of a similar situation uh, that's looking to to get started? I think my advice is. One is to keep hope. Like somehow you can figure out a way. Um, it's not that you can't, it's just that you haven't figured out how yet. Um, and finding a way to make it work for you and your lifestyle. Um, and I, I would say going through the motions, it took me a long time, kind of not giving up, um, trying to find information like reading things, you'll come across random articles, things that help you. That's kind of how I found it play out for me. Um, I was like really tight on cash um, to like purchase a property, not obvious, not for, for my expenses, but, um, and like these little clues would come up or opportunities. There was, you know, a, like a, a, an opportunity at work for me to get a promotion. And I took it because I was thinking like in the back of my head, real estate, like that'll help me. Um, so just try to stay motivated and, um, and, you know, don't lose sight. <laughs> the shiny object syndrome is, is a really big thing. And it really did um, impact me for a while, for a good two years. One thing that I think is, is incredibly important to point out and I love that you said hope, Lirva, because I think that's something a lot of people lose when they go through difficult times in their lives. But when something challenging happens to you, you 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 can never control what life throws at you, but you can always control how you respond in those situations. And someone could take something. It could be divorce. It could be a death in the family. It could be the loss of a job. And they could take that moment 
and let it break them down. Or they could take that moment and use it as motivation to become a better version of themselves. Um, you know, and it seems like Lerva, you, you took the the second approach of using it to kind of catapult you towards something, something better. So um, on that note, let's talk about what you did next. So I, like I said, I, I want to go back because you said you tried to implement everything that you learned on the podcast. That sounds overwhelming almost. So I guess walk us through like that process of trying to implement everything and what worked and what didn't work from that. Started going to meetups. You know, it was like the topic of the week. I'd get super excited about that. And then, you know, look into that and try to see if that was, you know, something I wanted to get into. Um, so I started thinking, well, where does everyone you know, what does everyone else do? So I started like looking at what does everyone else do where like where I could potentially start wholesaling. Um, so I looked into it. I thought, well, I don't know, like it doesn't seem very genuine for me or like something that I would do, but that's kind of where it seems like everyone gets their start. So I met um, one of the organizers at one of the meetups that I was at and, you know, everyone socializes afterward. And I told him what I was interested in or what I thought I was interested in. And everyone's really helpful at those meetups. Like they're just, you know, what, what do you need? What do you, you know, what are you looking for? What do you, everyone's just like really just sharing and everything. So he said, um, you know, I, he was a flipper now, um, but he started out as a wholesaler and he had this, this program that he purchased that helped him wholesale. He's like, I can bring you a copy of the, the CDs if you want them. And, you know, that can get you started. I was like, sure, you know, great. So took that home implemented it, um, you know, to a T everything. Um, and then I quickly realized it was just not for me. Like I was getting phone calls and I could not answer the phone. <laughs> so it was like this feeling I can't explain. Like it was just not for me. What did you do to get those phone calls? I guess, like, why were people even calling you? What were the steps you took before that? So the whole steps of the program. Yeah. So they teach you, you know, you get a, a list and they tell you about the different types of lists that you can get. And then, um, I decided to go with, um, with letters. So I was like, well, I can just, you know, shoestring this together and create the letters, print them at home. I got a case of envelopes. Like I did the whole, <laughs> um, stamps and everything with everything that they say, the tips about like how to get your letter opened, you know, make it a, a color so that it pops in the mail and just all that stuff that you, I mean, it, there's so many different tips, right? So I just wanted to get it perfect. And, um, it took me forever to even get the letters out because I was like, I'm going to make a mistake and, you know, no one's going to open my letter. Well, people actually started calling and then I couldn't even answer the phone. It was so scared to answer the phone. So these calls were going to my voicemail. I had set up a Google number. So I knew they were calling from that specific, um, number. And, um, so I was like, this feels so fake. It, I'm like, this is not who I am. Like. The letter, I'm pretty sure, said something like, I buy houses for cash, and I did not have a buyer, and it just felt so, like, sleazy. Um, and so it just it just didn't work for me. So um, there were a couple other things that I can think off the top of my head. Like someone did a, a talk on, um, on mobile homes and how they invest in mobile homes and kind of do that. And so I, I bought a book, you know, and that's as far as I got with that. Um, and so it was just like whatever the topic was, I'd kind of dive into it. And then I'd be like frustrated because I was like, well, that doesn't 
work for me either. And, um, and then the next thing was out of state investing because it was like maybe the more of the price point that I thought I could actually, um, invest in. And like the one thing was that I was very torn between should I buy a home and I'll be house poor or should I rent and invest out of state? And I, I just really, it was so hard for me to decide and it felt like I can't have the two. Um, and so I started, well, let me just see what's out there. I looked at, um, turnkey properties, which I didn't feel comfortable because I feel like a lot of the numbers were being inflated at the time because I was actually doing my own analysis. Um, I also, um, you know, just looked at Zillow and was trying to find on-market properties. And the thing is, I was trying to so hard to find the perfect market out of state. And there, I like now I realize there is no such thing. Um, and so that was another thing. I probably like analyzed hundreds of deals in different pockets of states. And like, I probably could have bought a property at that time because I had, you know, done so much analysis. So then um, when I was like, okay, I just need to maybe go for it. A, a friend of mine had moved to Kansas um, a few years before and another girlfriend from college said, why don't we go visit her? And I said, okay, and maybe I can make this like also like a, a trip where I actually go see properties out of state. Like Kansas is probably a good area. I looked at, you know, the area and like what the job market and all of that was doing. So I was like, okay. And it works because maybe like I can go visit my friend while I'm out there or, you know, I have a place to stay if I ever need to go out there. So, um, we, um, we went, worked on that trip. Like we set it up and then I mentioned it to my friend, like, Hey, I'm going to spend a day while I'm out there. I'm going to be looking at property. And she said, well, do you need a realtor? And I said, well, yeah, I don't have one yet. And she said, Oh, I know someone who, you know, might know someone. So she got me the number. I reached out, got in touch. She kind of sent me properties beforehand. This is kind of like what you might see while you're out here. I can't pr promise you that any of them will still be available when you're here, but this is just kind of to get your, to get an idea. And, um, he was working only with investors at the time. It was like a hot market. It seemed like his, um, his, uh, broker had just started this investor, like only department. And so he was only working with investors. So I pr felt pretty good. Like, okay, I'm working with someone who should know, you know, what the market is and what I'm t looking for. Um, flew out there. We saw eight to 10 properties, I think, in one day. My friends were so tired. Like, it started off with, like, we were all happy and excited and everything. I was the only one that's like, no, we have to finish the list, you know, got through the whole thing. But I was starting to feel like, okay, these properties are, because of my price point, um, you know, we were looking at, like, C and maybe B minus areas. And I was just feeling, like, a little uncomfortable. It looked like the systems were probably, like, maybe the major systems had to be replaced like yesterday or like it was just on the verge of breakdown um, or there was just something funky about them. There was like nothing where I was like, Oh, this is in my price point And like, everything's great <laughs> about it. And just being out of state and being new, it made me really uncomfortable. But I said, well, it's about the numbers. So I just went home and I picked the top three that I could potentially, um, you know, go for and the numbers didn't work for me. It was like just clear. And um, 
I think the property values at, were like from 110 to 215 between the three. I don't remember where the one in the middle landed. But the numbers didn't work. It, the cash on cash was like less than 3%. It was just... But like, I, I, was I think that's... Yeah, that, that's such an important thing for you to call out, Lirva, because I think a lot of rookies, when they invest all of this time and energy looking into a market, you fly out there, you, you walk a bunch of deals, you start to get this kind of emotional reaction where it's like, hey, I've already invested so much time, energy, and effort into this. Like, let me you know, maybe pass the numbers a little bit, right? So I can, I can feel better about it, but you made the decision to, to not do that. So it sounds like you were, you were dipping your toes a little bit in wholesaling. You sent the mailers that didn't work out. You, uh, you know, went to this out of state market and met with agents and analyzed deals and that didn't work out. So how did you actually land on the strategy that was right for you? Okay. Yeah, this is like, exactly. I came back from Kansas saw the numbers. I was like, this is still like, I'm so frustrated at this point because I feel like nothing's working for me. You know, it's working for everyone else, but me. (laughs) Um, I was like, okay, what, you know, back to, I want a house. I don't want to be house poor in California. It's just, doesn't seem feasible for me, but I really, really want an investment property an income generating property. And how do I, how do I have that? How do I have the two? And it just came to me. I have to have a property with an ADU on it. It just, it just can't, like, that's the only way I can get the two, the the best of both of what I want. And it was just like a, yeah, yeah. I was talking like, yes, that's exactly, that's it. And once I made that decision, it was like, nothing could stop me. I was like honed in, like, that's it. Um, so however long it would take me, I don't think, you know, it, it actually only took a couple months after I made that decision that that was going to work for my lifestyle, for my family. Um, and it took a couple months, but if it would have taken me even longer, I think that's kind of what my strategy was going to be. I knew that was, was going to work for me. Can you explain to us real quick what an ADU is? So um, it it's a another unit, like a, an accessory dwelling unit. Um, that's on a property. Um, it could be, I mean, there are other terms for them are like guest houses, a converted garage. Um, so I was kind of looking at any of those types, um, but it had to be a separate unit, like a back house where I could live separate with my children. Um, because I, you know, I, if I had been single, I could buy a house and rent out the rooms, but it was just not an option for, for what I wanted. Um, and so that's, you know, very popular now. And it was already gaining some traction in, in 20 that by then it was 2019 or yeah, 20, late 2018, beginning of 2019. Um, but not as popular as it is today. Um, like now it's, it's like ADU booming in California. Um, but at that time it was still like gaining traction. Yeah. The, the ADU strategy, I think is something that especially if your house hacking can be exceptionally powerful. And I think hopefully we'll get into a little bit later how, how that ADU has worked out for you, Lirva. But um, I, I just want to, I want to point something out really quickly. You, your, your journey of kind of finding the right strategy for yourself. It started with the educational phase of, Hey, let me just learn as much as I can about all the different options that are out there, which is the right thing to do. And then you kind of dipped your toes in these different strategies to understand like, Hey, what's the one that, that works for me? You said wholesaling ad doesn't quite 
mesh with who I am as a person. Out of state investing, I'm not quite comfortable with the idea of, of doing that in these other markets I don't understand. But this strategy of, you know, house hacking with an ADU, that lines up perfectly with kind of who I am and what I want out of my investments. And I, I point that out because I, if you're a Ricky that's listening that, that hasn't identified your strategy yet, I think you can kind of follow what Lirva did of tons of education and then testing in a small way the different strategies that are available to you. Um, but I, I guess, Ash, like, you know, when you think about choosing your first strategy, like what do you remember, like what steps did you take to say, hey, I want to focus on, you know, burrs in, in my backyard. And did you try anything before you did that that first deal? I just didn't know there was other strategies. <laughs> <laughs> I worked for one investor and he did long-term rentals and that's all I knew there was. Like this is real estate investing. So I was just a limited mindset and naive that that's why I did mine. But I think too, when you're looking at different strategies to start with, is where's your opportunity? Where do you have? And so Lirva, you kind of looked at which one best suits my lifestyle and what I want to accomplish and achieve, like what your why is for going into real estate investing. And like some of them didn't fit what you want to do, like wholesaling. You didn't want to be answering the phone. That would defeat the whole purpose of you becoming, you know, having some kind of time freedom and getting to that financial freedom because you were doing something you did not like to do and dreaded it. So there's so many different things you should look at when you are choosing that strategy. When Bigger Pockets started podcasting, no one thought we needed a store, but then books, so many books, best selling books, rookie books, partnership books. We needed the best real estate bookstore ever, so we chose Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch stage to the first order stage to the, did we just sell out the whole store stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling real estate books or retro clothing, Shopify's platform helps you sell everywhere, online or in person. Now, speaking of online, did you know Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better than other leading commerce platforms. And no matter how big you grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control of your business. And that's why we chose Shopify for the Bigger Pockets bookstore. So sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash bprookie, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash bprookie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash bprookie. Hiring? Your search is over. Really, there's no need to search. Match instead with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates super fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to hire top talent faster. Speaking of top talent, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. But why do I love Indeed? Because I'm busy and scrolling through 300 resumes is not helping my business grow. It's actually making it slow. With Indeed, I can hire faster and know I'm getting someone who can do the job. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to post your jobs with more visibility at Indeed.com slash rookie. Just go to Indeed.com slash rookie right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash rookie. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So what were some of the things that were important to you that were, this is why the strategy, if for anyone listening, if they are kind of stuck deciding what would be your advice? Yeah, definitely evaluating your lifestyle. My why was my kids. Um, I, you know, I didn't want to let this separation and then eventually the divorce, because that was part of this whole process of like, that was going on in the background, um, to really define like our future and for us to have a different lifestyle. I still wanted to give them the same lifestyle. I still wanted them to live in a, a good area with good schools and, um, and to have that feeling of being in a home. I, I grew up in a home that my single mom um, lived in and owned. And so um, it was really important to me. I just didn't feel like I knew how, but once I figured it out, that was like so important to me. I, I like, it's just something that I couldn't give up. And once I figured out how to do that, so just figuring out like, your lifestyle um, and where your strengths are, like if it's not going to be answering a phone um, because you're so scared to answer, you know, sellers calls, then don't do that. Like, just try to see what's going to figure, what what works out, what's your zone of genius, like where um, you're going to shine. And, and I kind of get creative on things. And so that's how I figured out, you know, when I finally got my property, I got creative. So that's kind of like one of my um, areas. I can, I can, come up with a solution, um, for how to make something happen. Um, so that's, that was my, that's my advice. Like figure out where your talent is and kind of go with it. And once you identified that you wanted to find a property with an ADU, was that because you just saw a property with an ADU or you learned about it and then you started searching? How did you find that first property? Um, so how did I find it? Um, well, I learned about them like at the meetups. And like I said, this was 2018, 2019. There was like already a buzz about ADUs. Um, and they were hard to come by at the time. And so like, you know, it's just, um, they come up once in a while, usually maybe an investor is the one to buy it. Um, and so there wasn't a whole lot on the market. And so how I found it is, well, is it, that's my, that's part of my journey. So I um, was looking online. There wasn't very many that would come up. I think like maybe every few months, maybe one would pop up. So I knew about, you know, how much they added value to 
a property. Um, like if it was a two bedroom, one bath and there was an ADU on it, like how much more it would be than just a two bedroom, one bath. So I kind of had an idea of like how much it, it would add to the, to the property. Um, but I was like, well, I, I don't want to wait. I want to take action. I know what I want now. So I need to kind of flush it out <laughs> somehow. And, um, I, I reached out to my friend who's like a big sister and she's a realtor. And I told her my plan. I said, okay, I know you've like followed me on this journey and I've been talking about all these things that I'm doing, but I know what I want now. I said, I want a property with an ADU, like a back house or a guest house. And I want you to show me the property. If it comes on the market, I want you to, to be my realtor. I said, but, um, I also want to be honest with you. Like I'm going to look for properties off market. And, um, I had already a little, you know, that my experience from wholesaling. So I knew how to get a list from like list source, how to pull a list and what to look for. And, um, but I also asked her like, because we were friends and we had that relationship, would you be able to get me a list from the MLS? Like, can you scrub a list for me with some keywords and some like timeframes that I give you? And she, she agreed. She was a supporter. Yeah. What were some of those keywords you used? Um, so I think on the MLS, you could look for, um, like back house. Um, you, you can just like free type in something. Like mother-in-law I don't remember exactly. suite or something. Mother-in-law like suite yeah. was one of them. Yeah. Converted garage. I like any word that could potentially mean like there's another unit on there. Um, and then there were some time frames. I think if like they had bought in the last two years, then it was like, remove those from the list. So I gave her some parameters and she gave me the list and I had got my list from list source and I combined that. Um, and then I went, Oh, like, and I searched these properties like online. I was on Google maps. Again, I drop off my kids. I'd go look at the list. I'd like drive by them. I was trying to check off the ones that like wouldn't work for me. Um, and kind of just condense it to like, okay, well, I'm not going to, you know, buy up in the hills and like have, you know, a four or five bedroom house is just not feasible. So let's just keep it real. Um, so I, I brought it down to about a dozen properties. And um, around that time, I also came um, across something that was super important um, for me to actually like be able to buy a property. I found um, information that you can um pull $10,000 from an IRA um, to use it for a, a, the purchase of a new home. So if you're a new home buyer. And so that kind of put me in a slightly different price point because I was like, oh, that's, you know, more money for closing costs. And, you know, I was so tight on, on the budget at that time. And it made a huge difference, which I wouldn't have been able to use out of state. So I was like, oh, this is just another sign that I'm on like the right path. Um, and then, um, I, before actually I'm out of saying it was out of order before I had asked my friend for the list, I found this article from a designer, like a decorator, and she had put out a blog post that said, um, how to buy a property that's not on the market. And that was really helpful because I knew about wholesaling, but it was from a different, like fresh perspective. It was just a, you know, a regular person that wasn't an investor and she wanted to live in a specific historic neighborhood and they didn't come up very often. So she wrote a very genuine family, I mean, genuine letter about why she would want to um, 
purchase in that area and she reached out to that specific area. And I was thinking, oh, I can do, I can do that. It's not like that sleazy. I buy, you know, I buy houses for cash. It, it felt just so much more me. And so I thought, oh, I can definitely do that. And I think I can answer those phone calls. Um, so um, putting that together with that list and I brought it down to a dozen and I got the letter, used her template because she put it all out there. Um, and I kind of finessed it to my story. So it was just about me and my kids and that we lived in that area. And the reason why I would want to purchase a home, like their specific type of home. And those letters wrote in my car for about two to three weeks. Like I could not get them out. <laughs> it was this fear of like, well, what if they, they, my name is unique. What if they are like, you know, people that go to my kids school, their parents and they're like, oh, you know, you're sending us this and why do you want to buy our house? And, you know, I just thought like, what are people going to think about me? And then it just came to the point where I was like, I don't care what people think about me. I did this. I, I'm going to make this work somehow. I sent them out. And I was like, I'm done. Like, I, I don't care what people think about me. I, I This is what I want and I'm going to go for it. That's super inspiring, Liv. I just want to pause you on that because I, I think that fear of like judgment is something that a lot of new investors kind of struggle with, right? Is, is even just like the idea of like, hey, I want to own property. And especially if you come from a background or a community where that isn't something that's done often, you know, to own investment properties, people might think that, you know, you're, you're dreaming too big or, you know, like, Oh, absolutely Lirva and her crazy dreams, you know, but you have to have, I think the, the confidence in yourself that, Hey, if I've set this goal, I've spent the time educating myself, I've built up the resources that I need to do this. Why not take that, take that next step. And obviously it, it turned out really well for you. So I'm assuming you, you finally get the, the courage to drop those letters in the mail and do you just, does your phone start immediately ringing? Do you wait months on end before you hear a response from someone? And then how do you actually go about negotiating with the the sellers once they, uh, once they reach back out? I didn't expect anything. I was like, well, you know what? Now I'm just doing it and I'm going to move on. But it was part of like my, I'm going to, I'm doing this. So I contacted my friend and I said, Hey, I sent those letters out. Thanks for sending me the list, but I'm still like, this is what I really want. So there's two that came out on the market, two properties that had ADUs about a week or so within that time frame. And I said, can we have make an appointment to go see them? Like, like I told you on market or off market, I'm going for it. So she said, sure. We went to go see them that weekend. I think maybe a week, a week and a half had passed when I had sent the letters out. I kind of forgot it, put it out of my mind. We went to see the properties. And while I was at one of the properties, one of the owners reached out to me via email. I like, you know, it's like, oh my God, this is like actually happening. And my friend was with me, the realtor. And I was like, help, you know, help me formulate an answer. And I was like, something's happening. I don't know, like whatever it is, something's happening. So um, I formulated a response. We went back and forth a couple of times and they invited me to see the property that evening. Um, my friend couldn't go with me. So I got someone else to go with me. I don't know these people like I'm going to go meet them at their house. But I was like, but I'm going because when I was um, when I got the email, I recognized the name. Um, you know, I, knew, I had stocked these properties. I knew where they were. I was like, it's the greenhouse on the corner. It's so cute. I wanted to go see it. Um, so I went to go um, that evening to meet them and super nice couple. 
um, super nice family. They took me around like to their property inside, outside. They showed me the ADU. It was a little funky and I didn't let that scare me. I was like, I could work with this. I could totally work with this, especially if I get this at a deal. And like, if they're not, you know, their price isn't like out of my range, I, I will totally work with this. Um, so of course I didn't say that to them. I, you know, we had said, let's both like think about this. Like you take your time and we'll take our time to decide if we're going to move forward. They said, take a couple of days and reach out to us and you don't know so that we know either way. They did tell me about a little bit about their story um, and why they even reached out to me. Um, so it was a, a family that was trying to get into the area again, like the schools, the whole thing. It's like, it, it was difficult to get into a property at that time. So they had been there for three years. They bought it off market from friends of theirs and they tried to make it work at like a property that really wasn't a good fit for them, but they really wanted to get into the area. So they were a family of six. They had four kids. And so it, it's a small home. It's a two bedroom, one bath. So their two older kids were living in the ADU and it just wasn't a good fit, you know, to have your teenagers in the ADU. And so they thought, well, it's a really large property. Maybe we can renovate it and extend it. And they went through the whole process of like the planning and doing all that, but it got really expensive for them. So then they said, it's better like, let's just scrap this, buy a bigger house. Um, and we'll keep this as a rental. And so they were fixing it up at the time to fix it as a rental and they were an escrow for another house. At the time that I reached out to them, they said they were, they were kind of maybe thinking that they were biting off more than they can chew. So they were thinking like, maybe we can't be landlords. Maybe this is too much for us. Maybe we're like making our lives difficult and we should just move on. And there's this person that's reaching out to us. When you were looking at this property, did you know this, the rehab that this was something you could take on? You were able to finish it? Yeah. So the, the primary residence was like turnkey for me to move in with my kids for the, the guest house. Um, it was, I think small enough to where I was like, I could work with that. I could have like a small budget and I, it was drywall. I think like that really was the major part that would need to be um, like, there was a, there was a funky closet in the kitchenette instead of in the bedroom. And I was like, well, the bedroom's right next to the kitchen. I could just flip it and leave a space and make a functional like um, cabinet, like pantry in the kitchen. And I just was like, I could, I could do this. I could work with this. And what's drywall cost? You know, like, can you kind of go give us the numbers of this whole thing? Yeah. So what would, I'll kind of do it rapid fire at you. So what was the price that they wanted or did you just offer a price? So they started out with a price 605. Okay. They gave two prices actually one with a kitchen renovated and one without. And I took without because I was like this. Okay. And then, um, is that what you ended up paying for it? The 605? I did because I knew what an ADU, a property with an A, so it was under market. And then how did you end up funding this deal? So it was a conventional loan. I put 10% down um, just to make my payment doable. Um, and I used that um, IRA that I had from a previous job and I used that for the $10,000 for closing costs. So you borrowed money from your IRA or did you pull it out? It's pulled out penalty free. Um, so I, I pulled it out. And then how much was the rehab that you had to do in the ADU? I think I spent, I think it was like maybe 35, 40, 
500. It was like the bare minimum paint and do that little switch over of the closet. And like, I needed to do it fast. (laughs) And then what did you uh, decide for rent on this property? And are you long-term or short-term or even midterm renting it? So I started off long-term. I did that for two years. The first year it was, um, 1375. Um, so it's a one bedroom, one bath, a little guest house unit. And what was your mortgage payment on that a month? So like how much did that cover of your mortgage payment? So at the time, cause I've refinanced a couple of times since then, um, it was, I want to say it was about 3000. So a little more than a third of your mortgage payment it covered. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So then what happened? The, the, you said for a year, you rented it long-term then what happened? So, oh, for a year it was 1375 and then the pandemic happened. So I waited to bump up the rent and then I got it to 1425. Oh, awesome. Um, and so she stayed, the tenant stayed for two years. And when she moved, I was like, I think I want to do short-term rental. I think I want to dabble at that. Um, and so I had seen in the area, there were a few at the time and they had been doing it for a really long time. And it was kind of like that. Maybe they just put regular furniture in there or like old, you know, stuff that they had found and guest house, back house units. I'm talking about not houses. Um, and so I thought I could do it and I could do it better. Like I could actually get all the new furnishing and make it match. And, you know, I could tell that these were seasoned hosts that were kind of doing it. I want to say like the old school way (laughs) where, you know, it was just like a hobby and they just kind of put their maybe used furniture in there and it was working for them. But I was thinking like, I want to do it and like do it like a real business. Like I want to just furnish it, make it nice and do the whole thing. So um, by then I had a budget. Like I, I, you know, I had, two years been been a landlord and been in this property was a little bit more comfortable. So I did a little bit more renovation. I was like, well, I have to do a little bit more work in the bathroom. I redid the flooring and um, added some light fixtures. With doing these renovations, how were you able to get a lot more as a short-term rental than you were a long-term rental? Um, I doubled my revenue. Wow. So yeah, yeah it's, it's been pretty so it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, almost covering your say. entire mortgage then it sounds like, right? With the uh, ADU. Yeah, almost. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, to be able to live in, in Southern California and, you know, spend almost nothing on your mortgage right. is insane. You know, it's a very difficult thing to do. So uh, kudos to you for uh, for figuring out a way to do that. Um I love everything about your story. I love the fact that these different elements of the strategies you tried, you were able to kind of roll up into this one deal that that made the most sense for you, right? Like you were so confident by sending sending those twelve letters because you had already dabbled and sending all the mails for the wholesaling, you know, and and you know the the work you did of like analyzing deals out of state. It helped you be more confident when it came time to analyze the property in your own backyard. So everything you learned kind of culminated in this one deal. And it seems like it's turned out incredibly, incredibly well for you. So are you ready for today's question, Lirva? Sure. (laughs) If you're listening and you want to get your question featured on one of our episodes, head over to biggerpockets.com slash reply, and we just might use your question. So today's question comes from Judy Underwood. And Judy says, for those of you who have borrowed against your 401k to purchase a property, did you refinance your home afterwards to pay yourself back? 
How did you use your 401k funds for real estate investing? I really don't want to withdraw other than uh, getting a loan. So what, what's your recommendation, Lyra, for, uh, Lyra, I'm sorry, for Judy? Um, so that wasn't exactly my situation. Um, so I had an IRA that was not with my current employer. Um, and I feel like everyone has those because you've worked somewhere else before. So I would say before going to your current, um, you know, your 401k um, or 403b, whatever your current like retirement is, go to see if you have a pension or some kind of retirement fund with a previous um, employer, and then you can roll it over into an IRA. And then those are the um, $10,000 penalty free that you can use towards the purchase of a home. So I don't know if I have necessarily would borrow from... Um, you know, my current retirement plan, um, I guess it just depends, but I would do that first before I would use those other funds. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. We're going to move on to our rookie exam. And the first question is what is one actionable thing rookies should do after listening to this episode? Um, I'm going to go back to evaluate your lifestyle. Like what is important to you? Um, what do you want your future to look like? Um, you know, what's your family life like? What, um, and, and use that as like the stepping stone to decide like what your strategy is going to be. All right. Question number two, what's one tool, software app or system that you use in your business? Um, well, now that I have the short-term rental, um, I use Airbnb obviously as like one of the big ones. Um, but I, like I said, I'm doing it as a business. And so I'm trying to be a little bit more sophisticated. And even though I only have one, I use pricing software, which a lot of people don't do because they think, well, it's costing them money, but it's actually making me money if I use it the right way. Um, so ever since I transitioned into that, I have made, like, I've surprised myself at like how much more I can get um, for certain nights where there's events going on and things that I wouldn't even have thought of. Okay. And our last question, I want to tailor a little bit different to you today. But how has real estate investing changed your life? Wow. Um, it changed everything for me. Um, I, I feel like this experience, this whole thing, it, it, it really like, it's helped me teach my kids, like, this is what you can do. This is, you know, if you make things up as you go and you figure things out, um, but also just my lifestyle. I feel like it's been able to help me have the lifestyle that I want to live in Southern California in an area that I want, making really good money on the property that I live on, you know, right next door. I didn't, it's in my back neighborhood, you know, it's in my back versus a state, you know, or few away and just to have eyes on that and just the learning that I have made through this entire process, I've learned a little bit about how to screen tenants, how to write up an agreement, how to enforce my own, um, my own rules, <laughs> um, how to do renovations, even though they were small renovations. But, um, you know, that's a big part of, um, of being an investor, um, getting bids, like all of that. Um, so it's just changed my life and to where like, I'm confident now that if I venture out and do some another deal or another project, like I, I have confidence in myself. I do know what I'm, 
I do know something. Mm-hmm. I do isn't know a little it, bit about real estate. Isn't it crazy what one deal will do for for your confidence? And and that's why the, the a big purpose of the rookie show is just to give everyone that's listening that confidence to get that first deal. Because once you get the first one, the second one is exponentially easier. There's so much more momentum and confidence behind you. So I appreciate you sharing that, Lirva. Um, before we wrap up here, I want to give a shout out to this week's Ricky Rockstar. Uh, today's rock star is Aaron Nygaard. And I can't say the last name Nygaard without thinking about the TV show Fargo. So if you know Fargo, um, Nygaard's. Anyway, I love that show. Uh, but Aaron says, closed on property number two through a mutual friend. I let everyone know my goal of doing real estate investing full time. My first property I acquired through handwritten direct mail. Um, and he gave the numbers. It's a 105 purchase price. $20,000 for renovation, and then it appraised for 225000 Aaron says, now out for a cigar to celebrate closing on this unit. So Aaron, congratulations, brother. Well, Libra, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Can you let everyone know where they can reach out to you and find out some more information about you? Thank you. Um, I'm on LervaSanchez.com and on Facebook, also Lerva Sanchez, and then you can check Rustic and Chic BNB on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm Ashley at Wealth from Rentals, and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson on Instagram. Don't forget to check out our new book at biggerpockets.com slash partnerships to get a copy. We will be back on Saturday with a rookie reply. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.